Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's Steve Diddy, NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. A uh, bit of a serious entrance because I was having technical difficulties, uh, but I've sorted it out. Um, Daryl was supposed to be here, um, but he pulled out last minute. <laughs> so, it's going to be me, a uh, small bit of news, and then also, I'm going to key on on something that um, Tom Silverstein... No, we can only have we can only have one Germanic reporter overreaction coming. Tom Silverstein said something on... Oh, God, it's so tempting. On Twitter. And I want to kind of address that and go through it. Some nice little tidbit. And and pose pose the question, folks, as he moves around in his chair. Is this Favre drama part two? Maybe. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, look, the news... Uh, and again, it's an absolute no-brainer kind of stuff. Um, but the Packers restructured Kenny Clark. Uh, got a dump a lot of money uh, for doing so. You know, and if you hear that sort of clang, 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 that's them kicking um, the can down the road. Uh, so they created another 10.8 ish million on Kenny Clark's contract, and then they went and done did it uh, with Aaron Jones, and they gained about three million by restructuring his. Now, what does restructure mean? Nothing really. They just save a big ton of cash, um, and they kick it down the road, and the salaries become more expensive down the road, and all this type of lark. Uh, does it change with the player perspective? No. Do they have to agree? No. Does it mean anything like... Because you always get that someone outside of Green Bay will look at it and go, oh, well, you know, they're making moves and shakes and bending over backwards for Rodgers and this is... Like we're um, a donkey load, I think is the uh, the strict term, over the salary cap, as we've already discussed, ad nauseum now at this stage. Um, so we have to come down over. These were the obvious ones. Uh, the other ones to come are whether, you know, they keep Sadari Smith, uh, whether they restructure Preston, um, and there's not a lot of other stuff to sort of go on in negotiations. But Goody, uh, Brian Gudekunst came out and was speaking in the press conference and kind of cleared up some stuff. Um, and some of the stuff kind of hasn't been... I'm so clear. Uh, some of the stuff hasn't been picked up by, by other people, but it's interesting. It's, it's well worth a watch. Now, usually I wouldn't say that about a Brian Gudekunst press conference. He's a very nice guy, and I think he's good at his job, and I think his heart is in the right place, um, and he's all part of being good at his job, is to talk, blah blah blah, and then say not a whole lot, so he does that too and, you know, it's, it's like interview questions you know, when they tell you, oh, just turn the answer around uh, to yourself if you don't know the answer, instantly visible instantly, I've sat in on, on interviews and you can see them do it straight away and it's not a good sign, uh, so good accounts, some of the stuff we were saying, you know did they have this golden handshake with Rogers to say you know, you can walk away at the end of this season. That's something that he said, no, that's was never an agreement. Now, you'd say to yourself, would he say that? Um, yeah, probably. Um, because he's not going to come out now and go, yeah, well, we agreed to let him leave and now he doesn't want to. You know, it's just as bad optically for everybody. Um, so, yeah, but uh, to be honest with you, it doesn't make sense to turn around and say to someone and give them a guarantee that no matter what happens this year, they're out the door. Um, effectively creating a lame dog quarterback. Now, it could, it could be motivation. It could be Aaron Rodgers saying, well, you know what? I'm going to go balls to the wall this year uh, because I'm not, no, I'm not going to be here. You know, it's not as if he has to put on game tape for other teams. It'd be clamoring to get him anyway. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me sort of uh, operationally. And I've thought of this stuff as well. Like, you know, they, my favorite one is where they say, oh yeah, get him on a, get him on a loaner. 
you know, get, get him on a loan. Just just bring him in for like half the year, you know, and especially when it's up to the player and you're kind of thinking, yeah, what player is going to agree to uproot his whole family if he has a family? Um, in schools and all this type of stuff to come up to Green Bay or anywhere and agree to play six games or eight games or what are we playing now? Eight and a half games in the season, you know, to play half a season. You know, and it's just so like players are commodities with no emotion. Yeah, yeah, just just get him in, just pay him, pay him forty quid. Just get him up. That's it. See who it is. And if it suits us, well then we keep him. If not, yeah, you can take a hike. You know, thinking, yeah, sometimes players have leverage. Um, so it's the same as that kind of narrative. I don't know, but he came out for what it's worth and said that that wasn't true. Now he did say that Aaron Rodgers is the first domino to fall, uh, which does make sense. And again, we have these reports coming out, but it came from out the babes where Aaron Rodgers has come out himself and said that the decision is soon the deadline is the 16th of March the franchise tag deadline is the 8th of March um, and we know that Rodgers is considered towards Devante and depending on what they do with Tay so they ask who to come hypothetically if this happened and that happened and he he shut down pretty much everything so um, there's a couple of things that he was very clear on though which seems to be if there was little ears in the room listening so when he turned around and said oh you know what do you think his team's going to be like if he didn't have Rodgers and Adams and he was like oh you know he's still competitive and he goes you know is there still a situation where you let Adams walk or is it either a franchise tag or extension and he says anything's open on the table so he's kind of saying like look I don't know I don't know what's going to happen because he doesn't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do now is that true I don't know I'd say he has a good idea I'd say it's far clearer obviously to them than it is to us I doubt it's going to be a case where he marches in and they go what you know they're going to know they're going to know and they're going to know which way he's probably leaning and his body language and all that now if they needed an expert on that I would, would be available that's all I'm saying I'm here I'm here for you goody um, so yeah look it's uh, he's the first piece and he's going to come back and apparently he's going to tell them soon what's going to happen and once that domino falls everything else falls into place so you know I think there was a report that came out during the week that said that they had no contact with Devonte about his contract, which I don't know if you believe any of this, Lark. I mean, it's bad business, really, is to not keep in contact. Uh, but what have they to say? You know, because I doubt they keep him around. If um, what a weapon! I mean, love the guy, but if Rogers is gone, do they just go? Eh, you know, like do we keep someone on a, a insane salary? Um, when their quarterback might not be able to find it, maybe they go in a different way. Look, the, all these discussions have already been had as he falls over himself. Um, but with Rogers sort of uh, coming on the McAfee show and saying, you know, it's all peace and love. And then he came out with the people are calling a cryptic Instagram about, you know, sort of acceptance and gratitude and all this type of stuff that he was somehow dicking us around. Um, and then it was asked by. Tom Silver's tank on Twitter, you know, is this the Favre part two saga? Um, and I'd like to go into what happened with Favre at the end, if anyone's sort of like, oh yeah, you know, and just to remind people of actually how it threw down. There was a fantastic documentary called Last Day at Lambo. The only place I could find it was Vimeo, which you can actually go on and download it. Um, and if anybody wants it, I will probably tweet it out or if not, DM me or whatever um, on at UK Packers and I'll send it out to you. You have to have a Vimeo account though. Like and log in anyway. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd jump into it for my two cents, right? You know, Rogers has to decide what he wants to do. Um, and I think the realization for some people, and we'll see like massive comparisons here with the whole fire situation, is that it's kind of a shock to some people that oh my god, he's picking him, so he doesn't care about us. 
the mo- like most of the time the players don't really care when they're younger they're great and nowadays players tend to interact but they you know I don't know if this is controversial or not, but some players want you as kind of a commodity almost. So if they get engagement, they become sort of influencers. So then they, you know, can go off and play video games. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard pressed to find a player who just solely cares about the, the fans. And I think even in your normal job, you know, you get tinges of, I don't think this company could care if I was here or not. You know, you get that kind of vibe because... The company wants what's best for them. If you're performing, well, then you get benefits from the company. And that's how the world works. And it's the same with uh, players. It's just harder when Rogers, people go through an awful lot for him. And adversity drives people closer. There's a concept in psychology where if you want to get someone to like you, uh, well, then you ask them to do something for you. And by the fact, sheer fact that they're doing it for you, um, brings on this thing of, well, if they're doing it for you, they must like you because that's what their brain is tricking them and saying. Anytime you do something for somebody, well, then it sort of brings on this sort of fake love. Um, and that's the case. So I think, you know, with people's political opinions being brought into this whole COVID nonsense, it's almost some people are coming out tooth and nail and fighting for Rogers, irrespective of what's going on. And, you know, be right or wrong, whatever side you want, happy days, go for it. Uh, you know, it kind of enamors them a bit more to Rogers, so they... You know, and from the McAfee show appearances, some people like him more. Some people really don't like him. Some people don't watch it and don't care. Uh, some people can't get past Pat McAfee himself to actually listen. Um, you know, but it's that kind of thing that's it's just drove people into two factions. So let me uh, go back and look at the Favre situation. And we'll see, is it in any way similar? And, and what Tom Silverstein means is, is that last season... The Packers were flying everybody and their granny out to Rogers to try, you know, talk them around, even though the Packers had all the leverage there. Um, and then when it comes to this season, you have Rogers coming out and doing this stuff and going on the McAfee show and not releasing it. And lastly, what I would say is he doesn't know us as the fans anything. You'd want him to, of course. Uh, I mean, I spend an inordinate amount of time doing this. I've been doing the podcast now consecutively for forever, it seems like years, years. And it's hard to have that sort of motivation to do it unless you're personally invested in the team and actually literally financially invested now um with a with a shareholder thank you very much which is ending soon um hashtag packers owner um so you know with the likes of this it's you want them to be invested and you want them to care what you think and you'd like to tweet them and they'd get back and you'd want to have a birthday party and he comes and helps you blow out the candles but that's not really the case so does this sort of battle between player and organization and fans and all that kind of compare to what happened with Favre and there's some striking similarities uh, there's ways that it's completely different too uh, but there's ways that you know we have a lot to learn from the Favre situation and I mean enough waffle about what it is and here's what happened so again back in the day Favre was sort of wishy-washy uh, 2006 McCarthy flies in convinces him and everything's rosy again so as the sort of season is rocking on um, Favre sort of you know everyone's sort of assuming he's going to retire now this is a mixture of what we know from what he said because he came out after because the um, Last Day at Lambeau documentary which is outstanding because it really captures a moment in time that sort of query is like oh what was Favre's motivation for going to the Vikings and like I don't believe for a second that he did it to stick it to the Packers Favre came out after and said that's exactly why he did it was to stick it to the Packers um, and the sort of conjecture in that one that has since been proven or disproved. So, you know, Favre kind of comes out and says, and in that last day at Lambeau, it says, you know, look, he's 
38 and the organization was kind of questioning him a bit and uh, there was sort of this thing of you know when Favre plays in cold weather now he's not what he used to be so later on in the season now this sounds very familiar right later on in the season uh, you know can they trust him anymore can he do the business in the playoffs uh, sounds very familiar right I mean this is the same argument that people have with Rodgers so he can get them to the NFC Championship game he can get them to the playoffs but when it comes to these crucial moments in the playoffs, does he lay an egg? Uh, and is that something that the organisation would be concerned about? Now, in the narrative of back then, it was sort of seen that, look, you know, when Favre went out against the Giants and, you know, he did what he did there with that interception where every other receiver was open, but he banged it uh, into coverage and it got uh, intercepted when he was, now, again, 38 years old, by the way, Favre at this point. So they're kind of thinking, you know, this is probably the end of the road uh, for him. Now, even at that stage, and even throughout all of this saga, there was social media, more so Facebook, you can see sort of comments. Um, and there was two factions. Um, and like someone puts it in one of the documentaries, they were like, look, you know, it's the same info. It's the same facts of what people seem to know and the same media narrative, but two very, very different opinions. And that's the same as it has been for Rogers. I think the edge has been taken off slightly, I guess, by some of his comments and the whole COVID uh, debacle now he came out after uh, in the Pat McAfee show and the announcement that people thought he would announce what he was going to do and said that you know he was sorry to the people that caught, caught in the crossfire of his COVID stance and his speaking up and again I said you know okay if he wants to speak out it's his prerogative uh, I don't believe athletes should be robots so fair play out you go but it really seems to have taken its toll on the people around him now, for a lot of that Pat McAfee show, he was sort of talking about the people that come out and supported him, you know. Uh, but then he came out and said, you know, okay, people, you know, I have to thank the people who come out with different, different opinions as well. And he said he was kind of too caught up in it. Um, so that's the contextualized that. But social media, again, was was pretty uh, crazy back in the day as well. I mean, we'll as we go further on to see the, the Farf saga, we see these websites that come up like, uh, you know, savebrett.net, uh, which is very snazzy. Um so, you know, and then, then we saw it again. In the, so the NFC Championship game versus the Giants, uh, the Packers brass apparently, allegedly, uh, look at Brett Favre like, yeah, he's, he's, he's probably done. So from the outset, and this is again is very familiar, we hear that Ted Thompson and Brett Favre are chalk and cheese. They're opposites. Their relationship is icy at best and that there's massive distrust there. And I think poor Ted is always, or was anyway, dragged into it to say that he was all at fault here and he wanted to move on. Now, had this not worked out so well with Rodgers, um, you know, there'd be an awful lot more vilification. But again, it's the GM versus the QB, the sort of, you know, happy-go-lucky gunslinger QB who likes to have a bit of fun and likes to fart and burp and joke and kid and bang balls up into stands. And it's something similar as what we saw with the Goody and Rogers dynamic, where there was all of these sort of last dance quotes coming out about what Rogers was saying about Goody, that he's kind of a killjoy and that he gets rid of your mates um, and he doesn't know what he's doing and all this kind of stuff. Now, they asked Gudekunst in that presser, just gone, you know, what's the relationship? He called it professional last year and, and Rogers called it professional. But Rogers could actually bring himself to say Brian's name out loud, which was an advance. So they asked Gudekunst, you know, how do you feel about it? Are you happy? It was professional, what's it now? And he said, look, it's in a good place. So it looks like whatever Goody was able to do with an extra year, uh, he was able to sort of smooth that stuff over. But 
with the Favre situation, he comes out in March 28, uh, 2008 and he says that he's retiring. Um, the difference is, is that with the Rogers situation, people had kind of a, a run-in. I know Rob Domofsky spoke last year about where things stood at that time. He didn't think Rogers would be back. So if anything, they were kind of floored that he did come back. But apparently this floored the beat writers. They were in shock. You know, they couldn't get their head around the fact that this was happening. And throughout all of this period, that's what you kept hearing from, you know, reporters and from fans alike, is that they just couldn't kind of believe that this was happening because Favre was a quarterback for an awful lot of people for their entire lives. Uh, Laurie Nickel is on the documentary. She says, you know, she she was on the beat since 92 and she hadn't covered anybody else but Favre. So it was just really weird to her that this was actually happening. But Tom Silverstein, the guy who sort of prompted this sort of uh, think tank, think tank, think tank, uh, very hard for an Irishman to say. Don't don't use that word. Take that out of the dictionary. Uh, he said that, you know, when he looked at Favre, he wasn't a guy who looked like he was ready to retire. And this is an awful lot of soothsayer stuff after the fact. But when you see Favre's comments in the press conference, he says, I can still play. I don't know if I want to. So, you know, people are kind of reading between the lines then after the fact and going, oh, I think he was pushed out by Ted and Mike. And, you know, Mike didn't want them and they didn't want this wishy-washiness and all the rest. But it just looked like Favre was gone. He was retiring. Uh, you know, they, they he was still kind of under contract with the Packers. So they'd have to, you know, give up his his rights and release him or trade him or whatever. Um, but he was saying he was gone. He was adamant that he was gone. And then he went on to uh, David Letterman. And he was asked, you know, it's getting close to mini camp. How do you feel? And he says, ah, mini camp, no. And he said, well, training camp. And he said, yeah, well, you know, getting close to training camp, something's bound to happen. And so Letterman picks up on that. So Letterman is the Pat McAfee of back in the day where he starts sort of needling him and saying, like, obviously not the same access that McAfee has to Rogers. Um, but again, the reporters are coming out and saying, look, he was a shock shock. This was a guy who, who said it before? Uh, Steve Mariucci turned around and said that when he used to look back at training camp practice videos of Favre, it was gross because he'd be burping in the huddle, he'd be farting, the stuff he'd be saying was just uncomfortable. But Favre was a shock jock and he liked to say stuff to get a reaction. Um, and we sort of see that with Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee show. This is a guy who likes to pontificate, who has, you know, McAfee ribbed him about it the other day as like a five-page, seven-page diatribe essay on how he feels about this. He was bringing in woke mobs. He was bringing in that and the other. The difference between Favre and Rogers, and it's always been this way, is that Favre was kind of off the cuff, kind of piss take. He can't really take what he says seriously. He's always goofball. He's goofing around. Whereas Rogers is always seen as kind of this guy who, you know, thinks of everything, thinks of every angle, knows how to work the media. And that's sort of upheld by his mates. You know, they always come on and say stuff like, oh, well, if Aaron says it, he said it for a reason. I Like, I don't believe that. And it's the same I don't believe that with Belichick. Because, you know, Rodgers has always been, by and large, pretty reserved, uh, pretty thorny. Um, you know, this chip on the shoulder thing. And pretty inexperienced when he's been exposed to things. So I don't know how someone who's been that guarded... Um, and that's, I think, where it comes from, is the fact that he was guarded. And people think, oh, well, if he's saying something now, he's still... He's saying it, but he's guarded. I don't think so. I, I think what he said after, um, you know, the game with the Niners, when he said, I'd only be part of a rebuild. You know, he... Like, would someone really say that? Does that benefit him? I would say it doesn't. Um, it certainly turns the fans against him and, you know, makes them think they could see his true colours. Now, that could be all balderdash as well because, 
you know, I sort of said, well, yeah, I, I understand how he feels. He's 38 and he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild, but arguably going somewhere else is. I get it, but it also maybe isn't the smartest thing to say. But then on the other flip side of the coin, it's not me sitting on the fence getting splinters of my arse here, but, you know, okay, so the fans turn against him. Does he care? You know, like, is it that important? Because they're just back on your side when you start throwing dimes like he does. Um, So... You know, he comes on, uh, Farf says that, and then there's this wishy-washy. So this is kind of like, is he retiring, is he not retiring, based on what Rogers did last season. Then he comes into the building, and Gouda comes in his presser again, sort of credits Rogers with coming in with a good attitude and putting up a good performance, obviously, because he becomes the MVP again. So the Packers back then, so Ted, you know, they're looking at Farf and they see him being a bit wishy-washy, and we sort of see why this is kind of happening now. They offer to give him his locker, so first we're going to enshrine it like he was dead uh, in glass. And then they said, no, do you know what? We'll just chop it up and send it to him down Mississippi. Um, and we're going to retire his number sort of straight away. And it, se- and it was spun by Favre's people, Buzz Cook and the guys, Buzz Cook and co, that um, it was, you know, look, they're trying to get rid of him. They're obviously don't watch around, you know. Um, and then it, it sort of said that, you know, it starts to leak into the papers that on July 2nd that Brett Favre gets the itch. And that he wants to come back. And Favre is saying publicly in the media at this stage, you know, that's all rumours. It's, it's all balls. I, you know, I don't want to do that. So, you know, it when you look at the timeline then, it's, you know, 2006, yeah, sort of Mike McCarty goes down and begs him to come back. That's similar to the Rogers situation last offseason, 2008. It, they didn't beg him. And they said, you know, kind of the same as Rogers shenanigans. Look, if, if you're going, you're going. It's up to you to make that decision. And people are sort of pointing to Favre as having this ego and needing to be gassed up. And they sort of felt that, you know, when you look at with him wanting to come back then and play again and play for the Packers and all that kind of stuff, is that he kind of left like Lenny of Mice and Men of like, oh, I go up into them, their hills. And then George has to be like, no, Lenny, I love you. So apparently even for as, you know, as central as Favre was to the Packers offense and the team and everything was revolving around him, he still needed that pat on the back, that sort of, we really love you, man. You know, you're so important thing, allegedly. And when they didn't give that to him in 2008, you know, it started to spiral a bit then where he was flip-flopping. Now, as I said, so July is when apparently the papers say he's starting to get the itch to come back. You know, what he said on Letterman and all this type of stuff. When really the Packers then go on to release a timeline and they say that, I think it's March 24th, I think it's March 24th, he turns around and he's talking to people saying, you know, if I was to come back, would you have me back? And the Packers turn around and say, yeah. And so they get ready to fly down to finalize contract talks and to discuss the future and all this kind of stuff. And on the 28th or 29th of March, he turns around and backs out again and goes, no, 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 it's fine. I'm retired. So is this flip-flopping that you know cause uncertainty because it's the same as the Rogers situation in the sense that you have an aging quarterback you know you either rip the band-aid off now or later do you extend it and sort of extend the pain almost because if they keep playing at this level you know you've suffered in draft picks people have the argument that that doesn't really matter it's not a, a surefire bet we can go back and prove that with numbers so you know do you keep sort of limping on and and, and go to the precipice of cap hell and then let everybody go and go on a total rebuild or you just start sort of, you know, chopping and changing some little elements here. And by little quarterback, is certainly not one. But, you know, you, you put in a new quarterback, you try institute a newer system, you, you know, do you try bring it in slowly in phase from one to the next or do you literally blow the whole thing up? Um. So again, you know, his desire to play again uh, put the Packers in a hard position because then 
here they have this hero who had said he was retired and kind of took it out of the Packers' hands. There was a bit of suspicion and a bit of stirring by the other camp to say that, you know, Ted and, uh, you know, McCarthy wanted him gone and, you know, Mark Murphy and all that, kind of against him a bit, you know. But if he retired and stayed retired, it was a moot point because he's just not playing anymore. There's nothing you can do. And Favre actually says in that conference when he did retire is that, you know, there's nothing Ted or Mike could say to him to stop him from going. You know, he's a grown man, he's 38. And Ted Thompson came out after all of this shenanigans went down and was sort of saying, look, you know, when they finally made the decision to try just stop this madness, is that, like, how is he going to change the mind of a 38-year-old man uh, to not do what he wants to do? So apparently Favre had turned around and said that he was giving it up. Now, Favre, behind the scenes, apparently, it's because everybody in that final year and all the commentators, and if you go back and listen, it's quite stunning that they turn around and go, oh, this is the old man's last ride and all this. They were kind of almost ordaining him as retired before he left. But now with Favre wanting to play again and with the Packers fans, you know, seeing this legend and before all of this muck went on with the, you know, the Jets, which people didn't really mind, and then the Vikings, which people hated. Um, and then with him coming out saying I wanted to stick it to the Packers. Before all of that, you know, they asked him, what, what do you think the Packers should do? And 74% of people said, don't trade him. And one third of those, not one third of the 74%, but one third of fans that were canvassed said they wanted him to be the starting quarterback. So it's the same with Rodgers, right? Where you look at Love and with hindsight, everyone thinks like, oh, well, it was fine because Rodgers is going to be a GOAT. Uh, they didn't know that at the time and he had a pretty dismal first season. There was flashes there, but, you know, by all intents, they missed the playoffs by a country mile. Um, so it was by no means an indictment of how Rodgers' career would advance. So, you know, when when you look at this situation back then, there was, the, you know, they could have Favre back the same way they could have Rodgers back now, potentially, if they, you know, just sort of schmooze and, and do what they should do. Or did they move on to the untested guy? And Rodgers got booed at the time. So Rodgers knows full well exactly what it's like to be in a situation where the veteran, you know, you don't really know what's going on with him, which was last season and kind of this season to a degree. But to Rodgers' credit, he did what he said he would do. And apparently what, you know, all the lads... Kudakunst and Russ Ball and Rogers decided to do where they would sit down and discuss it and we will know soon enough. So I don't think it's a it's a Favre situation too in the sense that he's going to sort of dick around and you know not tell the Packers what they need to know. Um, and then the difference as well is, I mean, look, Murphy at, at that stage was part of, you know, a, he was brand new, um, first year. Talk about, uh, you know, ordained in fire. So in a situation like this, uh, Murphy is experienced. And I mean, even back in the day, he flew down to Brett Favre and offered him allegedly two million a year for 10 years to stay retired. Um, Again, and you can see why, right? Because, you know, he's retired, so he's not playing for the Packers. He's not playing for anybody. They had to move on. It was Brett's decision. And I don't know if that situation would have been done behind closed doors. Apparently, there was another deal of like $25 million over two years to kind of stay around the Packers, but more as a marketing PR exercise and, and not to play. Um, But, you know, Favre comes out, uh, criticizes the Packers, you know, says that they shouldn't be coming out and lying about him. And it's seen that that interview on Fox, and Fox stretched it out to a three-day event, uh, was that he was criticized for being selfish, all about himself and egotistical. Uh, which again is parallels that we saw the same sort of turning on Rogers when he came out on the McAfee show, 
So with his COVID stance, some people didn't agree with it. Some people called him selfish by not getting vaccinated and missing games. Like, whatever, what you want to think about that. You know, but there's the parallels that were drawn in the media about it all that have really split people down the middle. Some people hated that he wasn't vaccinated at all. Some people just said, oh, well, you know, he could damage families or whatever sort of drama. Um, and then other people just saw it as a fundamentally selfish thing. Some people saw him as, you know, a conspiracy theorist sort of crackpot. There was all these stories that come out about chemtrails and all this, and people were really slamming him over that. Uh, but you've the sort of, you know, the fact that he came out and told people how he felt in the first place, and then it was that he lied because he said he was immunized instead of vaccinated, and you can think whether he did or didn't on that. So either way, we see the quarterback in the media saying his side of the story. And it's perceived by the fan base that this guy is not about the team, that he's all about ego, and that it's more about him. Now, we saw some more humbleness from Rogers when he came out on the McAfee show, and he sort of apologized and sort of put it all into context. I leave that up to the listener as to whether you think the parallels are there. Um, Favre lands in Green Bay in August to cheers, I mean, but they stick him in a suite. So he, I think he thought he'd go in and sort of, you know, talk to the team and yeah, put a cat amongst the pigeons. Um, so he's up in the suite during family night and the fans are booing Rogers on the field. Uh, apparently there's a six-hour meeting between Favre and McCarthy and they're screaming at each other. And apparently McCarthy was just trying to get out of him. Look, you want to play football again, but do you want to play for the Packers? And it's sort of thought, and I don't know if this is true, is that if he had turned around and categorically said, I would do anything to, to play for the Packers again. You know, like, you know, I want to come back. I want to play football, but I want to play for the Packers. I want to be a Packer. I want to retire here. Is that more probably would have been done? Um, again, this is a sort of hypothetical situation and whether, you know, too much has, had passed. But certainly, Brett allegedly turned around and would never commit to coming back to the Packers. He literally wanted to play football, but kind of made it clear it wasn't for the Packers. Um, so there was sort of an impasse where they turned around and said, you know, they if he doesn't want to play for the Packers well that's fine but he doesn't want them to play for anybody else um so the Packers come out and and you know Mark Murphy stated this he was like don't blame us don't blame him a lot has gone on uh but Brett made his choice and he was offered to play for the Packers and he didn't take it um so really to take from it all the exact same happened I mean you've one camp versus the other you've got the organization being vilified in both instances because you know their job is to do what's best for the Packers and they're looking at the Favre situation. He's a veteran. Uh, they deem him not to be able to do the business when when it matters. He's sort of a massive ego, likes the sound of his own voice. You know, he's blasting the organization now to the point where it really can't take him back, you'd imagine, but he doesn't want to come back anyway. And it's sort of too much water under the bridge. And the same sort of narrative was was around Rodgers in a very similar way in the sense that before two years ago and his play was seen as dipping and he wasn't sort of improving that way by all intents the anecdotes were is that he was you know becoming disgruntled he's getting McCarthy sacked he was banging the ball up into the stands uh, he wasn't happy um, and he sort of turned that thing around now, but at the time he was on that sort of Favre trajectory, I would imagine, where they sort of thought like, you know, we need to move on and have a look at a successor. Gudekunz came out before they drafted Jordan Love and they asked him, would you draft a quarterback? And he said, yeah, if there's one, if there's one there, we take the best player on the board. So it was not as if he was being inconsistent. Um, but what sort of strikes me about both situations is that there's this weird notion out there that the Packers brass are somehow clueless and they're out to sabotage themselves 
you know, that they love nothing more. Like if you look at the Favre situation, it was Ted Thompson and McCarthy and Murphy and they couldn't wait to get rid of Favre, the legend, and just boot him out the, the door and they didn't like him and they, they clashed and all this. As if they would burn the organisation to the ground just because they didn't like him or whatever. You know, Favre was becoming flaky. And if it's true what they say in 2008, at 38 years of age, after his legendary career, that his ego need constant massaging, uh, well, that's a concern. That's a, a personality concern and how much you can sort of do that for a player. And all of the reporters and analysts at that time were saying, look, the team is bigger than one man. We might suck for four years, 10 years, 50 years, but, you know, you can't kind of bend over and raise the, the place to the ground if it's just over one player. And the exact same narrative was coming out now about Rodgers, but... You know, Favre showed back then that he cared about what he wanted and if he was going to get back at the organisation by joining the Vikings, he would. Rodgers is going to think about himself as well. So if he's leaving, it's not personal, really. It's just what he wants to do with the rest of his life. He's an ageing quarterback and, I mean, the guy's playing at a ridiculous level with MVP. So it's up to him and the Packers to sort it out. But, you know sort of a trend that I always see is that like, oh, they, you know, because during that documentary, the, the Last Day at Lambeau, one of the things is like, you, you know, I found it strange that the Packers never once consulted or or chatted to the fans about what was going on. Um, and I don't know, I, like as a fan, as a diehard fan who, who spends a, a ton of cash and time and effort and blood, sweat, tears for the Packers, yeah, it's great. It's, it's amazing when the organization acknowledges you. And I think the Packers, they have their, you know, Packers fan hall of fame and, Mark Murphy's brilliant to come down to us, but, you know, they're running the business. I mean, they've got stuff to do. It's, and I don't think the fans... Because the fans created a petition. I think there was two or three going around. Um, and, you know, they even flew uh, net plane over family night, I think, or one of the pre-seasons, for instance, which gave a hostile reaction to Rogers. But, you know, that's... We want the organisation to be invested in us, and they, they really do try. But when it comes down to contract negotiations, they try right this ship. Um, yeah, the fans aren't really in the forefront and they it's contract negotiations. They can't really show their hand, you know. I mean, Gudekunz's presser, the, the one thing that he was ironclad on is was they said to him, if you have Rodgers and Adams here and the rest of the team suffer salary cap-wise, do you think you still have a shot of being competitive? And that was the one thing that he didn't go, oh, that's a hypothetical, I'm not going to talk about it. Everything else was hypothetical to him, but that situation he came out and goes, yeah, yeah, we do. He said, you know, you build your team and you, you sew it around good players. So it's amazing the way it's all hypothetical until you talk about keeping Rodgers and Adams. And that's just the way the, the cookie crumbles. So you have to sort of ask yourself, is this going to be a long goodbye? Uh, do the Packers have to move on? And it's the same as moving jobs. You know, if you get laid off, you can boo-hoo for a while and, you know, try find a new one or whatever. Um, and, you know, you always have someone else to blame, right? You can always look at them and go, well, you know, that's Cheryl, let me go. And I had no choice and all this. But when you choose to move jobs, especially when your job at the moment is, there's nothing wrong with it, you're used to it. You know, you know, Derek is a bit this way and Mary has a tendency to do that and your boss does this and you're... Whatever, you know, you know the lays of the land, you know what's good, what's bad and better the devil you know kind of stuff. But when it comes to moving then and then your job is a nightmare, you, the place you move to, they, lo and behold, can you believe it? The recruiter lies to you. Work-life balance, it doesn't exist. And every one of your bosses expects everything of you the minute you hit the ground and you haven't the bogs notion where anything is or how to work any of these systems.
and you're getting a bad performance review. And you look at that and you'd look back then and go, well, I've kind of won it myself to blame, you know? And that's, I guess, the same sort of situation with the Packers. They would have preferred Favre to stay retired and to show the public, at least, that he chose to do it. So it takes that sort of band-aid issue away from them. Unfortunately, Rodgers... You know, there's that situation with him. There's the love slight complication. I don't think it's that big a deal. I think the Packers would, would cut their losses easy. And Gutekunst has proven that he's done that. Although this one is obviously more controversial when it came to Rodgers. But if it's deemed that they somehow drop the ball and let Rodgers go. The only thing that softens the blow really is Rodgers' age. And how much he goes on to play thereafter. Look at Tom Brady, age 44. That's another six years. You know, that's enough time to, to put up a, a second Hall of Fame-worthy career, um, especially when you look at Tom Brady. So, you know, whether he wants to play that long, I don't know. He spoke of retirement and said that he's not scared of it. I don't know if that's true because he did come back. Now, that's probably because the Packers held him by the balls, but he did come back. Um, but he says he's not scared of it anymore. Um, now, whether that's true, it's just some bargaining chip because if he tells them he's not scared of it, well, then they know that that's not off the table. So there could be a bit of that to it as well. So smoke and mirror. So is this situation a Brett Favre number two? It's very similar, but I don't think so. I don't think it's that sort of, you know, I think Rodgers has handled it probably an awful lot better. There's no bad blood there and they're willing to sit down and civilly go through it. I don't know whether that's because he saw what happened with Favre, whether he knows rightly that that's in the best interests for him and for the organization, which I'd say is lower down on his tier because he's, you know, rightly he's going to be thinking about himself right now. And what he wants to do. Um, and I think he's got that consideration of Devontae Adams too. To come up with a decision fairly quick. So that that is the first domino. Like Gudukun says. And Devontae can be tagged. Or you know go out into free agency. And you know we rebuild from there. But comparable. But no not the same. Not the same for me. Anyway I've been at Steve Diddy NFL. Uh, follow the group at UK Packers. And we'll be back with full shows now. As always, every single week. And I'm very excited that at IT Hedgehog, Peter Jones is going to be on uh, soon. And he's going to be going through all things draft, which is going to be a fascinating thing when we find out about what's going on with the Packers roster. So do stay tuned all throughout the offseason. And I'll talk to you next week.